Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. I'm happy to be here. Quick, uh, quick shout out. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. You guys are amazing. I had the uh, blessing during the first service to give a special one to my wife and uh, my mom. She's right over there. So happy, uh, happy Mother's Day. <clears throat> we're in uh, another series uh, week on this next steps thing where we're hoping to help point you guys in your next best step with Jesus. And I'm excited to be up here again. I'm excited to speak truth and love over you guys, encourage you all, but I'm not going to lie. As I was writing today's message, I myself got extremely, extremely convicted in a healthy way. And I have a feeling it's going to convict a lot of us this morning, so I find it only fitting. The best way to start off is just with a quick word of prayer. Dear Father God, we thank you so much for mornings just like this. We can slow down and take an hour to get away from the noise and the craziness and all the to-dos. God, I pray that as you convict us this morning, that it not lead to guilt, but lead instead to transformation in your son, Jesus. We say all these things, and everybody said, amen. Well, my past life, pre-kids, pre-vocational, full-time ministry, I worked in a gym with my now wife. It was awesome. We heard stories from people that would just blow your mind and why they were trying to work out and better themselves. I saw some of the craziest things that you will ever see inside of a gym, and, uh, and it was a hoot. I took care of the sales side of things. My wife took care of all of the uh, personal training, and we reached a point where we needed another trainer on staff. So I dug my heels in, and I got certified and trained to uh, be a personal trainer. I absolutely loved that part of my job because it was fun telling somebody else what to do for like 30 minutes. And uh, for some people, it was fun for them. And for others, it was hell on earth. <laughs> I, uh, I got to meet this one guy. His name was Chris. And um, the thing about Chris that was so captivating to me was that um, he was embarrassed. He was ashamed, but he was ready for change. He wanted to get employed by a large employer here in town, but had to pass a physical fitness test in order to get on staff. He had failed once. He was ashamed and he was embarrassed, but he was ready to figure out what to do to make it work. So like any good personal trainer, we get a baseline of metrics, figure out where in the world are we actually at. He hops on the treadmill. I throw my towel over the LCD screen. And just word of warning, if your personal trainer puts their towel over the LCD screen, rip that sucker off because they're trying to trick you. <laughs> Ever so slowly, I would bump the pace a little bit a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster. Until I remember Chris literally looking at me in the windows of my soul saying, are you trying to kill me? <laughs> For Chris, I bumped up the speed to a pace that was uncomfortable and he had been met with two options. Keep going, grit through, and possibly get injured, or slow down. We've all been there, right? 
hopefully not on a treadmill, but we've been there, right, in life. Things just get out of hand real quick. For the fun of it, I figured this morning we could put ourselves, everybody in the room, in mom's shoes for just a minute as I kind of read like a script from like a wildlife documentary called Moms. So check this out. Er, er, er. The alarm sounds off in the morning. It's 5 a.m. and the day is off to the races. You crawl out of bed. You walk to the kitchen, coffee on the pot. Now it's time to start the kids' lunches. Ziplocs, check. Sandwich fixings, check. Yogurt, fruit, check. Smiley face on the napkin with a have a nice day, check. Off to the shower, dry off. Makeup, clothe yourself. Run to the kids' rooms, get the kids up. Breakfast going, fight to get the kids to eat breakfast. Set the clothes out, fight to get the kids to put the clothes on. Fight to get the shoes on because you're still trying to figure out where in the world that other shoe went. Where is that shoe and why is it missing again? In the car, forgot one of the lunches, run back in, grab the lunch, back into the car. One of the kids asks, do we have to go to school today? You say, absolutely, I don't want you here anymore. <laughs> Radio stations changing back and forth, back and forth and back and forth because all the songs are trash. Finally, you get to the drop-off line and it's time to start your nine to five. But wait, there's more. Because during that entire process, you couldn't stop thinking about that one conversation from that one friend who was being so sarcastic. Or did she really mean that? How dare she? Your husband better mow tonight because it looks like a jungle out there. The dog's sick. Again, hopefully they didn't eat another sock. Did I turn on the crock pot before I left? Yeah, I did. I need to call mom. I feel guilty. We haven't talked in a while. When is dance recital again? Does that happen tonight, this weekend? Is it school baseball practice or travel ball practice tonight. If that sounds like anything like your day, moms, can I just get an amen? Amen. <sighs> Even if your morning doesn't look exactly like that, I bet a lot of us in the audience right now would say life is fast. Life feels kind of like it's always in a rush and I'm always trying to get to the next thing. You do it day in and day out, and you ask yourself, when you look back at life, when did it get so overwhelming? And like Chris, you're met with two options. To keep on going, grit through, and hope that you don't stumble and get hurt, or to slow down. But let's be real, we don't slow down. We lean in a little bit extra on option number one, and the typical response to this is like, well, John, you know, busy is the new norm. Busy is good. I mean, it's just the hard, simple truth of a lived reality. My employer expects it. My spouse expects it. My kids expect it. Busy is good. It's productive. You know what I think is so funny about busy is it's almost turned into this bragging right now where you meet up with your buddies and you go and grab whatever and you're hanging out and across from the table, your buddy kind of dusts his shoulder off and says, oh man, just another 60, 70 hour work week. Glad to sit down. So busy. They say, but don't worry, man. Don't worry. Everything's good. It's just a season. Somebody recently just showed me a tweet about seasons, and I couldn't help but laugh. It said, I love how being an adult is just saying to yourself, but after this week, things will slow down a bit again until you die. Legit though, I wonder how many of us in this room right now, deep down inside, can say on occasion or currently you're disappointed with how life is going. The pace has become unrealistic, unsustainable for the long term, and you ask yourself, I don't know how much longer I can do this. You question yourself, am I missing something else in life? You find yourself, you have no time to do the things that you love, no time 
for the people that you love, no time at all. You know, COVID was a really hard time for a lot of us. It was hard for me as I wanted to pastor you all well, as I wanted to have conversations with people. I found myself annoyed that I couldn't do it face to face. Little known fact about me, I love people. I love it. It's so much fun. I love being with you guys. I learned to love the phone and FaceTime at a whole new level. During the conversations that I had with a lot of you all, I kept coming back to this one simple truth about COVID. Whether we liked it or not, the season was tough. There was one simple truth. COVID forced us to slow down. COVID forced us to slow down. It canceled everything around us. And for some of us, it made us crazy. But because the world slowed down, we had time again. Some of us had time to learn how to make bread at home for the first time. Some of us learned how to use a webcam. Boomers, I love you. Some of you guys learned to love to hate Zoom, students. We, we took more time investing in a relationship with Jesus. We took more time investing in ways to learn to love our spouse well again. We took time investing in our kids. We took time to invest to the people that mattered to us. It was interesting because at this very point in time with COVID, it forced us to pivot what mattered most. Now here we are several months out of the woods and we're back to that same old pace of life. Time isn't getting any cheaper. The business is booming, it's time to move. What pace of life had changed has quickly fled and we're back to those same old habits. Instead of hearing about how great it is and the time that I get to spend with my kids, I don't hear that as much. Instead I hear if I only had more time. What a silly phrase. Let's just say I had an hour to give out. What, what would you really do with an extra hour? Would you take it to work just an extra hour every day? Would you take it to veg out on the couch for an extra hour at night? Would you take it to scroll through reels on Instagram or on TikTok? What would you do with an extra hour? Legit. I mean, because here's, here's the honesty behind this. Stats are not in our favor if we just had an extra hour. Social media is uh, consumed on average of 706 hours a year. Students, I'm gonna go ahead and say you're probably above average in this category, kudos to you. That's literally like 50 plus days of business days, nine to fives that we spend on social media. TV, we spend about 2,700 hours a year binge watching the latest and greatest, or you know, for some of us staying informed, well informed, but I would beg to argue that we still binge watch quite a bit. Now, this next one is a little bit interesting first, but the second piece of it is what is staggering to me. Video games, on average, the average American spends 440 hours a year on this. But what's crazier is if any of you guys have kids in the room, your son is, uh, is on pace to averaging 10,000 hours of investment by the time they turn 21. 10,000 hours. Studies have showed um, through research that 10,000 hours is estimated how long it takes to become a master, an expert at something. 10,000 hours to become a master pianist. 10,000 hours to become a master electrician or play video games. All right, let me get off that topic. It's crazy to me though. I, I, I hear I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough time 
to fix my failing marriage. I don't have enough time to invest in my kids. I don't have enough time to re-engage in a meaningful way with the church. I don't have enough time to join a small group. I don't have enough time to volunteer. Just a thought here, what if time is not the solution to this problem of a crippling lifestyle? What if instead we started searching for a better solution than asking for more time? What if instead we simply started to prioritize what mattered most? So question for you, what matters most? What matters most? Is the job with the salary that's attached to it that you're striving for? Is it the car that you rode in on or the house that you hope to be in? Is it the things that you want? or the travel team that your kid's on? What matters most? All right, John, you've piqued our interest. How do, how do we fix this? How, how, do we, how do we attempt life in a different pace? Well, I'll be honest with you. This is convicting for me. I just told you guys that at the beginning. And if I didn't know how to do it, I'd probably be out writing a book about it right now. This is hard. This is really, really hard, but I know if we stay at this unhealthy pace of life, we're headed in the wrong direction. See, I want to love my wife better. I want to love my boys better. I want to love my neighbors better. I want to love this church better. So how do we do that? How do we change this unhealthy, rapid pace of life? We're going to take a deeper look at John Mark Comer's book, the ruthless elimination of hurry, we could see three really crazy simple goals on what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is doing this, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he would do if he were you. If you were here with us at the very, very beginning of the year, we spent eight weeks walking through these rules of life, these unhurried rhythms where we would help teach you what it looked like to be with Jesus through prayer, through reading your Bible, through a safe balance of technology. And my hope is, is that those eight weeks haven't come and gone and the practices therein have left with it. I hope rather that those, those, those teachings have become values and, and practices in your regular day life. Following Jesus takes more than just practices of prayer and being in the word and technology though. You see, following Jesus means we have to become like him too. We have to follow him in his lifestyle and his way. You see, we read stories of Jesus and we read how he experienced joy and peace and uncertainty, his relaxed manner and how present he was in the moment with people and those around him. And we think to ourselves, man, that sounds good. I want that. We read his open invite to this light yoke and an easy burden, and we say, man, that sounds so great. Yes and amen. We read about rest and abiding in the Father and exclaim, I want that so deeply, but we fail to adopt his lifestyle. You see, I believe we want to seek to stop asking ourselves that, that question of how do I get more time and we start prioritizing what matters most, then we first ought to take note of the way of Jesus' pace of life. The pace of Jesus was drastically different than what we live at today. Jesus literally walked everywhere. He walked toward them as Jesus walked along, as they were walking. Never once does the Bible describe Jesus running over to the next city. 
He didn't sprint to get anywhere. There's no mention of Jesus running, no jogging, no jogging with a soft J. Yes, you in the back, I see you. Yeah, thank you for mentioning they didn't have private jets or cars back then. I understand that. I truly do. There were faster methods of transportation that Jesus could have used and did not. Sure, he used boats sometimes to get across bodies of water, but it's clear that he was never in a rush. He wasn't ever just sitting there hurrying up his disciples. Come on, guys, it's time to go. Where's your shoes? He wasn't shooing the crowds away saying, go on, come on, I got to get to the next city. My favorite one. Jesus did not enter Jerusalem riding on a horse in the fastest two minutes of his life. He rode in on a donkey, a walking, slow, boring Eeyore. Have you ever seen Eeyore run? I didn't think so either. Jesus was busy. He had a lot to get done, but he was never in a rush to do it. And we have to remember that he was doing this on purpose for a purpose. Mark 5, uh, 21 through 34 is this perfect example of what I mean with Jesus. Check this out. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. When the woman, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. All right, quick recap. Uh, woman approaches Jesus. She touches his clothes, immediately is healed. He's walking somewhere else. Jesus is heading to go save somebody else, but he stops to be present with this woman. The disciples are astonished that he would even ask to figure out who touched him because literally everyone and their mother is touching him right now. She comes forward, falls to her knees, and is filled with faith and healing. He invited the woman to come forward. He invited healing and rest to remain in her. He invited her to experience peace and freedom from suffering. And he was present with her. He showed her love and he showed her grace and the same thing is offered to us. You know what I love the most about Jesus when he invites the disciples to come with him is that he literally begins the whole thing off, hey, leave what you're doing and follow me. It's, it's not this exclamation of, hey, leave what you're doing and come learn how to read your Bible. It's not, hey, leave what you're doing and come learn how to pray like I pray. 
It's not, hey, leave what you're doing and, and let's just learn about the law. No, it, it's, it's follow me. Walk alongside me. See how I pray. Assimilate to my being. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you see it? Yeah, you see it. Jesus literally walked everywhere because he wanted to be intentional. He wanted to be intentional with the people around him. He wanted to be present with the people around him. He wanted to be able to listen to the people around him. He wanted to be available to the people that were around him. He wanted to love on those who were near him. Love is so amazing to see when it's put in action. It's captivating. It literally trumps everything. God's greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. John Mark Comer's ruthless elimination of hurry has this resounding theme of conviction throughout the entirety of its book. It's simple, but it is that love is incompatible with hurry. Let me repeat that. Love is incompatible with hurry. Shoot. Which one am I going to choose? Which one am I willing to give up? I'm sure many of you guys are familiar with this passage if any of you have been to a wedding, but the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, literally describes love the very first way like this. Love is patient. Love isn't hurry, it's not fast, it's not running, it's patient. See, Jesus' ministry was built on truth and love, truth from God the Father and the Word, truth through fulfilling over 300 plus Old Testament prophecies and love one step at a time. Love in unison with the people around him. Jesus knew where he was going the whole time. Jesus was walking on purpose for a purpose and in a specific direction. He was taking one step after another step after another towards the cross. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's what we're called to do when we follow Jesus, right? To pick up our cross and to follow him. Follow me in my way, in my truth, and my life. Follow me in my spiritual disciplines and my lifestyle. Follow me in truth and in love. So if we're being really honest with ourselves right now, we have to ask ourselves two questions this morning. Are you walking or are you running to get to the next thing? Are you flying by the seat of your pants every day to just get to the next thing on the calendar? Or are you able to slow down, be present with Jesus and present with people? Secondly, what direction are you actually going in? Would you look at your life and honestly say, yes, it is in the direction of the cross with the Father and kingdom-minded, or is it zigzag based on the wants and needs of the day? You know, I wanted to find a couple of really cool resources for you guys this morning. A note to self, a book is not going to fix this lifestyle. It's going to be a lot of different choices. But if you are like me and enjoy reading or want to find extra ways to learn about this stuff... I got these lumped into categories, okay? So this is for your own personal self. If you want to grow and you're looking to do this, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro, and The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer. 
okay? Totally awesome books. Read those for yourself. If you're looking to do this alongside your spouse and you're trying to figure out how, how do we do this, how do we grow, uh, a word of warning, Timothy Keller, Meaning of Marriage, hard book, hard book. It walks through um, basically the idea that your marriage isn't just to find the better you and somebody else, but to actually find ways to glorify and honor the kingdom and have that kingdom mindset with it. And then a devotional love and war, fantastic book. All right, dads, I'm gonna call you out for a minute. If you've got a son, read this before Father's Day. Do yourself a favor. The Intentional Father right here, fantastic, amazing book. We've got Habits of the Household. You and your spouse wanna create rhythms of life inside your house and wanna learn how to do that for your kids. This one is fantastic. If you're lost and you got no clue what you're doing with your seventh grader, bada bing, bada boom, right here. Parenting your seventh grader. Now I'll tell you, this book is awesome, but this is an entire phase series. So let's just say you don't have a seventh grader. They got phase, all phases of life, all the way out till they go to college. Um, Reggie Joyner and the, the Rethink Orange Group, fantastic. And then my personal favorite, um, Family on Mission. Family on Mission here, this is by uh, Mike Breen and his wife. Family on Mission's concept is the idea that life is busy. We understand this, but we have the opportunity to invite people into the busyness so they can meet Jesus book's not going to save your lifestyle, but it'll have some great ideas on what you can do to approach it. You guys remember Chris from my story back in the beginning? See, the best part about Chris's story is, uh, is he did it. He got his goal of uh, being into a, a healthier lifestyle and getting employed by the people that he wanted to be employed by. You know what got him there, though? It was a community that believed in him. It was a coach that knew how to push him. And it was seeking the right tools to help him along the way. By seeking accountability and retraining his mind to learn what mattered most. He didn't just end up in the situation he found himself in that day one. It happened over time. And the same is true for reaching the goal that he had. It didn't happen off of the flip of a switch. It took a discipline and a lifestyle change for him to get to success. And the same is true with our faith, guys. Our walk with Jesus in this transformational way into his lifestyle is a continual effort day in and day out, not just by practicing disciplines, but understanding the way of Jesus, how he walked, how he lived, and he did it in the flesh. That's the beautiful thing about our God, guys, that he lived the same life as us. He was tempted to hurry. He was tempted to finish what had to be done, but instead of running to the cross to get it over with, he was a perfect example of what it looked like to be present, to be intentional with the people that mattered. If you're in the room right now and you got no clue how to start this thing and you're asking yourself, what does it look like for me to follow the way of Jesus? Then I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm telling you, please check out basics. If you wanna get plugged in and find a community of other believers and what it looks like to do that, join basics. If you're asking yourself, who are we? What do we do? How do we do it? And who do we do it with? Join basics. Four weeks of your time that couldn't be spent any better. Everybody else in the room, I'm not letting you off too easy. I got a challenge regardless of where you are at that I think could radically change the trajectory of this church. I told you this sermon was, was convicting for me, but what's ironic is the way that God does things sometimes. I don't know if you've felt that before. Literally a day before Tyler asked me to teach. 
I was sitting across the table from one of my dear friends and he was asking me as we wrapped up to pray for him to uh, re-engage with his kids. He was, he was asking for prayers to reconcile some of the brokenness in his relationships with them. And he asked me in reciprocation, what can I do to pray for you? How can I pray for you? I sat there, I had my hands kind of frumped into my face. And I said, man, I am so tired of just being tired. I'm so tired of not having the time and energy that I want to pour into my family. I'm tired of being tired. And I looked at him and I said, could you pray this over me? God, help me to slow down and walk with you so that I can be intentional with what matters most. And that's my challenge for everybody in the room today. I dare you would, you, would you take seven days to pray this prayer? In fact, how about we do this? Would you guys repeat after me? God, help me to slow down and walk with you so I can be intentional with what matters most. I dare you. What's the worst that could happen, right? I'm a believer in big, bold prayers like this. And who knows, it might force you to slow down a little bit, get a little uncomfortable. Who knows, maybe you'll spend a little bit more time with God, a little bit more time spending time with your spouse, learning how to love them better, a little bit more time investing in relationships around you, a little bit more time investing in your kids and discipling them. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son. God, we thank you for the way that he walked on this earth. The temptation to hurry and get it over with on the cross was present, but he resisted. And in doing so, he loved every person he touched. And it's that love that we cling to today. Teach us to walk. Teach us to be present with the people around us. Reframe our minds what matters most. God, it's gonna be hard to say no to stuff. Give us strength. Let this conviction not turn to guilt, but instead into transformation in your son. It's in his name that we pray, amen.